Would you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 84, please? Psalm 84, to the choir master, according to the Getith, which last week we found out Getith was the wine press. So this is to be read in a season of celebration, which, by the way, it is almost the season for wine presses. The, uh, the grapes are ripening on, on, the, um, on the vines, and uh, within the next month, the grape harvest will come in. And by September, it will be the time of celebration and rejoicing. And so this is an appropriate time for us to be talking about this particular psalm. According to the Gittith, the Psalm of the Sons of Korah, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. We started out last week, I told you I wanted to preach a sermon on Psalm 84 that was a little bit longer than the one I preached a, f a few months ago. And uh, we got into one verse, and actually only half of the first verse. So you're in for it today because we're going to do the second half of the first verse. Are you guys okay with that? All right, well, let me read you some more just so that you can say you heard the word of God at church. All right. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God and my King. Blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. Now some of you may be, um, some of you may be uh, uh, experts in in uh, uh, language and language studies and uh, literature, and you may have noticed already that uh, that there's a stanza here, uh, because it may be separated out in your Bibles into three different stanzas. This particular psalm, and I I know you guys all loved literature class in high school, right? And in and in college, it's your favorite, right? So I'm going to give you a little bit of of you know poem breakdown right here. You guys all benefit from this tremendously. Anyway, this poem is broken into three different sections, and each section has a remarkable uh, a message and uh, it's important to see that because it's actually written into the structure of the psalm and it's written in such a way that it's to emphasize certain things so there are three blessings in this psalm three beatitudes three spe spoken words of blessing in the first stanza the spoken word of blessing comes in the final verse of the stanza in the second stanza the blessing comes in the first verse of the stanza and in the third stanza the blessing comes in the final verse of the stanza again and so these three beatitudes of the psalm are very important but the one in the middle that comes first is supposed to draw your attention to it it's supposed to make you say oh that's what this psalm is all about you understand also there's a name for God in this psalm there are multiple names for God uh, in the psalm but there are there is a name for God that keeps getting repeated again and again and that's very important as we look into the psalm because it's going to help us understand now I hope you don't Mind doing a little bit of teaching here because I want you to be able to read the scripture with eyes that are wide open. Does that make sense? I want you to be able to read the scripture and gain from it what God wants to teach you. A, uh, a casual reading of the scriptures is certainly beneficial, but a deeper reading of the scriptures usually it usually rewards the reader with tremendous insight and knowledge. And God will speak to you if you seek for Him diligently with your whole heart. Make sense? So. Don't freak out with the slightly more diligent look into the psalm. So the first blessing that you're going to see is in that verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing praise. A little background to the psalm. The psalm is written about pilgrimage. And you're going to see that in the next verse. But the psalm is written about pilgrimage, and it's written during the season of the grape harvest, or to be sung during the season of the grape harvest, because in the Jewish tradition, and by the way, we're reading a Jewish Bible here, all right? The first uh, testament, the Old Testament, is the, the holy scripture of the Jewish people. And it's out of that that Christ comes as the fulfillment of the hope given to Abraham, the promise given to Abraham. So we see this as 
part of the Jewish cultural heritage, and it's written into the psalm. They had convocation feasts. All right, hang with me. Convocation feasts. We have celebrations. How many of you guys like Fourth of July? Anybody like that? Okay. Can you think of another American holiday that's like a big American holiday? What, what, what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, of course, Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving happens late in the year in November, and it's supposed to be a celebration of all the bounty of the Lord. Isn't that true? And uh, it comes late in the fall, uh, just at the beginning of the winter, because at the end of the fall, all the harvests are in, and at that point, it's now going to the land is going to go lie fallow for for the winter time, and uh, and all the harvests are in, and all the work of the year has officially come to an end. So you gather your family for Thanksgiving. Uh, of course, we have other holidays as well, Memorial Days, and and various things. But those two American holidays should uh, help you to understand perhaps the joy and the celebration that would be in the hearts of the Jewish people who were following Torah. They were following the law of the Lord because the law of the Lord gave them instruction that three times a year they were to come together from all over Israel that God had, all the lands that God had given them from across the Jordan on the east all the way to the, the, the Mediterranean Sea on the west and north from, from, uh, uh, the, the, uh, from the mountains all the way down to the, to the, uh, the, the Red Sea and um, uh, at, at the bottom of Sinai. And, and all there, God, when God gave them that territory in, in, in the kingdom of David, they were to gather together three times a year to celebrate the Lord in the house where God had established his name. Now, I don't want to confuse you with too much going on here, but uh, hold on to that thought for a minute. There's convocation feasts. The convocation would be people who come from everywhere to, from their houses to come to the house of the Lord because God had established a place where he would dwell amongst his people. Okay, that's an idea, a very, very big idea, a huge theological concept within the Hebrew faith and ultimately our Christian faith, the idea of home. Okay, the idea of home. Home is a massive idea to God, and it should be a massive idea to us. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next Lord knows how long uh, as I preach through Psalm 84 and use this to reference some really, really key ideas in the Christian faith. Home. Where is home? And last week we talked about whose home is the home that you love. Because in verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, it was, was a huge, important uh, concept for us. Whose house are you looking at saying, I want to be in that house? And, and, and I asked you a question last week. Is, are you looking at the senator's house? Are you looking at the entertainer's house? Are you looking at the sports hero's house? Are you looking at your boss's house? Are you looking at your neighbor's house, your brother's house, your father's house? What, what house are you looking at saying, that's where I want to live? Because where you want to live determines your journey. Your journey is based on your destination. Wouldn't you agree? We get on the road because we're going to a destination. As of course, it's a Sunday afternoon drive in Eric's new car, in which case the destination doesn't really matter because the car is the destination. Anyway, <laughs> I thought you'd like that. But, um, but, but the destination of a journey determines how we take that journey, doesn't it? And so the question we're asking ourselves is where are we headed? Where are we going? What is our destination? What is your destination? Each one of you, I want you to ask this question in your own heart and be honest. Where am I going? Where is my life going? What am I here for? Where, what am I pursuing? Where, where am I going? And, um, and so the convocation feasts of the, uh, of, of the house of Israel was to remind them that even though they each had their own little plot of land, their own house, maybe they had farms, maybe they had maybe they had cities, but that was not their ultimate destination. Their destination was the house of the Lord. And the house that God allowed Solomon to build, 
the one that David designed and Solomon built in Jerusalem, became the sort of the epicenter of the Hebrew faith. And, of course, it did not represent the ultimate destination, although it became the religious destination of all people. It was only to be a showpiece to say, hey, this is a model of the very house of God, but the house of God is not on earth. God doesn't dwell in houses made with hands by human people. God dwells in all eternity. He is uncreated. He has no need of a house, but God has established in his creation, visible and invisible, places where he interacts with us, places where he is to be found amongst us. And in the heavens, God has a throne room. In the heavens, God is surrounded by angelic beings, cherubim, seraphim. He's surrounded by the host of heaven. He has established a royal a royal abode, and he is seated on the throne on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And it's known in the scriptures as Zion. There was, of course, a place in Jerusalem known as Mount Zion, and uh, but that was only ever supposed to be kind of a, 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 a an illustration. A, 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 it's a it's it's there to show you, give you a visual, but to remind you that you're going somewhere else. Our earth is not our home. It's temporarily our home, but the heart of the Father is our home. So the convocation feasts were to gather people from everywhere, to get them out of their regular everyday lives, which can be all-consuming. Some of you would agree. can be all-consuming, and we can be totally lost in our direction, ultimate direction, because we're so caught up in our immediate direction. And it was to remind everybody that we're on a journey somewhere, and we're on a journey home. God's wanting us to come home, home to where He is. In Jesus, God came into our world and he became Emmanuel, God with us, so that ultimately he can restore us so we can be with him. This is the majesty of the gospel. You understand? Okay, so the convocation feasts would happen three times a year and, and, uh, and the, the big one, the most, the most celebrated one was the Feast of Tabernacles. That was the one where, where all the, of course, all the harvests have come in, particularly the grape harvest. There's lots of wine flowing. There's lots of food. There's meat. There's, there's, there's bread. It's, there's grapes. It's just fruit. It's fantastic. Everybody's having fun. And this psalm would have been read during those convocations but the first portion of the of the psalm is to is written as a as a voicing of the desire of those who live far away to be like those who actually dwell every day in the house of the Lord because Turns out these people would come on the convocation. They'd come from far away and they'd come and they'd have a vacation in Jerusalem and they'd celebrate the Lord with feasting, first with fasting, then with feasting, and they'd celebrate the Lord and then they would return to their homes. And many of them would, in the return to their homes, would feel the, oh, the sadness of withdrawing again from the presence of the Lord. And you're supposed to feel that. You're supposed to feel the, 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 the sense of emptiness in your heart because now you're leaving this place that you love. It's like going home after a really wonderful vacation. The Todds are going to feel this on Thursday when they head back to Canada. God bless them. God bless Canada. God bless America. It's much better. I'm just, just throw that out there in case you're thinking about moving, you know. Anyway, but um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, okay. Everybody's online, couldn't see my face, maybe. I'm just kidding, all right. But, but they'll feel it when they leave. They'll feel the, the distancing from friends, from family, from a sense of, uh, you know, we, we've stopped our regular everyday work. Now we've got to go back to our regular everyday work, and it's going to feel a little weird. 
And you're supposed to feel that. You're supposed to feel that because it's supposed to remind you that we're not home yet. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not home yet. I'm not home yet. One of the most important principles of the Christian faith is for us to remember that we are not home yet. Okay? So as they would depart from there, the ones who were leaving would think about all the priests who get to stay in Jerusalem. And they're there all the time. And they're there in the house of the Lord all the time. They're making music. They're celebrating. And so... Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. They speak blessing over them and they say kind of with, with, with envy in their hearts, a sort of a godly kind of envy if there can be such a thing. I wish I was like you. I wish I got to stay. I wish I got to be where you guys are making music. You ever been to one of those conferences, like those annual conferences? And it's so amazing. You go there and you have so much fun. You're with friends you haven't seen all year. And then you leave the conference afterwards and you feel just like, ugh. Yeah, youth camps the same way. Well, believe it or not, those who get left behind, the priests and so forth who have to clean up the mess after everybody else goes home, it's not so much fun for them either. Suddenly the the halls are empty. The the mighty throng has left. The the, the voice of the congregation has diminished. And now you've just got a handful of people that are there. And it's the choir. You know, they're the same people you preach to the choir every week. And then you wait for next year for it to get exciting again. Even the priests are not actually at home yet. Not actually at home yet. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for her young, that she may where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God and my King. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. These psalmists who singing say, Everybody's welcome in your presence, even the swallow, even the sparrow, even the seemingly insignificant, you know, the little rats with wings. <laughs> they find their place in your in your home. I mean swallows are are really beautiful to look at, but but uh, on the on the Camino, Tammy was like, I hate the swallows, because there were swallows everywhere throughout Europe, and I'm like, what do you mean you hate the swallows? First, she loved the swallows. She's like, wow, they're so pretty. Look at them darting around. They're so beautiful. But they make a noise, don't they? A chirping noise. It's, it's a loud screeching noise, like eh, eh, and they scream through the air, like, and they dart, and it's and Tammy at, at some point, it was just the noise was just too much. She's like, I hate those swallows. <laughs> anyway. Little rats with wings on. But um, that's amazing how they find their way into the most elaborate of buildings and they build their little nests up in the eaves. And, they, and it's amazing. And, and the psalmist points out that everybody has a place in the house of the Lord. Everybody has a place in the house of the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. Blessed are those who live there. So this longing to live in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, starts to become part of our heart as we read the psalm. Okay, are you, are you feeling that? Okay, so the next one. The second verse, I'm going to skip over, and I'm going to go down to the third, the third stanza, okay, which starts in verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Sounds like what we sang today, right? Shamelessly, I put the sermon into the songs that I chose for the worship list this morning because I thought, hey, why not use everything as a teaching moment? Why not, right? A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. You hear the longing again. I would rather be a doorkeeper than the house of my God than a dwell in the tents of wickedness. A doorkeeper is not a prestigious position, at least not in this particular, in this particular setup. The doorkeeper is kind of like the guy who makes sure that, that everybody you know, is orderly and organized. We had a doorkeeper in the, in the, uh, the cathedral in Santiago. We didn't like him, did we, Tammy? After our, after our long 40-day march through Spain, we finally arrived at the cathedral in, in Santiago, and we're so excited. 
How many of you have ever seen that movie, The Way? Anybody has seen that movie? A couple of you have. So we were excited to go to the cathedral in Santiago because there's that you know swinging of that giant, you know that that, that uh, the incense, uh, whatever it is, and and yeah, cauldron of incense that they swing over the congregation of thousands of people, and we wanted to see that. Of course, they didn't do it. The service we went <laughs> on that particular mass, they were like, no incense for you anyway. So, but we sat through the mass and it was very beautiful. The, the, the worship leader, the singer, the nun who was singing, oh, it was so beautiful. And Tammy was just weeping and sitting on the floor of this giant cathedral. Gilded, huge, great big cherubs that were looking over the altar. It was kind of freaky, wasn't it? It was a little bit scary. I mean, we took pictures of it. Many people think it's very beautiful. I was like, wow, that's way too much. Can you imagine a Living Hope Family Church with giant golden cherubs looking over? I mean, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. I see your, I, I see your faith. I raise your faith, my brother. <laughs> we need higher ceilings. Come on, let's go. Uh, anyway, um, so we arrive and we're like, oh, wow, the service comes to an end. And I kind of want to go around and I want to look because now I'm inside the cathedral and there's things I wanted to see. There's, 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 there's touristy stuff I want to do in this cathedral, right? And, but they're, all, they're kind of herding us towards the door and there's thousands of people. And we just we, we, we walk out the door and I'm like, Wait, I want to go back in. So I turn around to go back in. And Tammy turns around to go back in where we just walked out the door. And the doorkeeper grabs Tammy by the arm and ushers her right out. <laughs> Pushed her. And I was like, uh, we, 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 we were in there. We, we didn't mean to come out. We wanted to stay in. And he's like, out. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were like, wow, that's really welcoming. Uh, the welcoming committee. I think you guys need to like do a little job satisfaction survey. <laughs> And uh, customer service satisfaction survey because this is this is not good. Anyway, so we had a bit of a bad taste in our mouth, and we did not go back into the cathedral because you had to pay money to get back into the cathedral. And I was like, I'm not paying money to go in there now. Anyway, the doorkeeper. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. A nice one. A nice one. It is absolutely a symbol of humility. But you hear the longing of the heart here. Sorry, my story really didn't work with this, but anyway, just. <laughs> but listen, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now, the tents of wickedness is a reference to quite a lot of things, actually. Even with the, with the sons of Korah, it may have some overtones of that. But I would just use it as a, I, I would say that um, in a way, this is, this is a, making a contrast between the, have you ever, heard the, ever read the verse where it says, why do the wicked prosper? Have you ever actually noticed that in real life? Like you look out and you see, my gosh, these, there's a bunch of people who don't love the Lord. They don't live by the principles of God. In fact, they are absolutely opposed to these principles of God. And yet they are so affluent so wealthy their houses are massive and beautiful and 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 they have all the toys and they they seem to have no trouble why do the wicked prosper that's an excellent question but this verse is to remind us that we actually have to choose a priority we have to choose whose house we want to live in you understand do we want to live in the house of the wicked well you might because it's really nice and i'm not going to lie the houses of the wicked are sometimes really beautiful and if you're living in if you're living in a you know a, a, a 300 square foot room, maybe that's a big room for you, but the guy who's living in a 30,000 square foot house, and uh, and he's got Aston Martins and Bentleys all out there, and, and that might that might bug you, 
you're faithful to the Lord and that person is completely opposed to God and curses God uh, and uh, goes out of his, his way or her way uh, to make life difficult for believers, maybe you're thinking, why? But as the psalmist says, I might have stumbled until I remembered the throne room of God. Because as it turns out, everything here in this world is impermanent, temporary. I don't know if you've noticed this, but even our best achievements are behind us. Once they're behind us, there's no bringing them forward again. We are transient beings. We are on a journey, whether we want to believe it or not. You are hurtling through space at the speed of once around the sun in 365 days. We are on a journey. Our galaxy is on a journey. It's moving. We're not stationary. Nothing remains stationary. And this is a reminder that the tents of the wicked are temporarily beautiful. But the destination of the wicked is eternal fire. So we must remember, lest we become discouraged and disheartened. How do we remember? Look at this. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You say, well, I feel like the Lord's withheld things from me. No, he hasn't. He might have stored them up for you. Withheld them? No. He's all about timing. And his timing is perfect. At the right time, Christ came. At the perfect time, he will come again. And the Lord will bring with him the recompense. He will bring with him the reward for those who have been faithful. And no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. This is a reminder. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. See the blessing there, the beatitude. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Do you trust the Lord? Big question today. Last week, the question was, where are you going? Whose house? Today, the question is, can you trust? Do you trust the Lord? The second stanza is really important. And I have 14 seconds to tell you that I'm going to speak on it next week. And the blessing in the second stanza comes in the first verse. And it's that way for... Uh, uh, what's the word for emphasis it's that way for emphasis we'll talk about that next week and uh, for now I want to remind you that the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our fortress he is a sun and a shield 
Why a sun? Well, because the sun gives light. And he's the one we revolve around. It's all about him. In the solar system in which you live in your metaphorical little solar system where you are the earth, maybe you're not even the earth, maybe you're just the moon. <laughs> Don't be the sun. You haven't got the energy. You'll burn out. If everything revolves around you, good luck. Let's be heliocentric. Let's make Christ the center of everything. Christ, the Son of God. He's also a shield. Sometimes when the blazing hot sun is beating down in you, man, you need a shield. On that uh, Camino, we saw a couple of Texans. They were walking. Remember the Texans, Tammy? And they were walking down the road, and they were, man, they, they were, I don't know, they had to be 10, 15 years older than us. And uh, they were a little bit heavier than we are. And it's true, Bill, yep. <laughs> I was very thin compared to them, actually. I felt really good about that. Anyway, they're walking down the Camino, and we saw them on the Meseta, we saw, which is this giant flat plateau where there's no trees, and the sun bakes, and it was 100 degrees out, and blazing hot. And uh, anyway, there they are, and they had little umbrellas attached to their backpacks, <laughs> silver umbrellas, and they're walking down with their silver umbrellas, and we were like, wow, that looks really, really geeky, but... I wish I had an umbrella. <laughs> the Lord our God is a sun and a shield. And a shield. <laughs> we learn something from those Texans. Sometimes you need a shield. The Lord is a shield. And, uh, and I just want to remind you that your hope must be in Him. Blessed are those whose trust is in you. Next week we'll talk about the pilgrimage a lot more. And, uh, and we're going to talk about the fundamental journey, the, the journey that began uh, at Eden, the journey away from home, and, and we're going to talk about the journey back to home. And we're going to be talking over the next months, the next few months, about uh, the lessons of the ancient way. The ancient way. We're going to return to the ancient way. And uh, just to give you a little teaser for what comes next, um, some of you may have noticed uh, as you read through the Old Testament that, that the lessons of the Old Testament are a little bit out of vogue right now. Take, for example, Abraham and Sarah, okay? Abraham and Sarah, in the lesson of Sarah calling Abraham Lord, that's lost on our generation, isn't it? How many of you married women love to call your husband Lord? Anybody? Some people do. So, uh, so my kids, you know, Luke and Juliana are, are just about to become parents. I mean, it could happen any day, right? So it could happen right now. I mean, today, it could happen today. Juliana's like, no, I'm good. But... Um, <laughs> But we're so excited about that, by the way. Would you pray for them But when, in your prayers? Just pray that it's going to be a wonderful delivery and a beautiful birth and, and the arrival of the new Escalant. What, what would it be? 2.1, I guess. And um, it will be just beautiful and perfect. Um, why did I even go there? No, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Lord. Calling the Lord. Oh, that's right. So they asked me, what do you want to be called? As, you know, you're going to be a grandfather. Luke says, Dad, you're going to be a grandfather. What do you want to be called? I said, well, Tammy said she's going to be called Grammy Tammy. That's fun. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Grammy Tammy. I said, your kid can call me sir. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, come on, right there, man. You call me sir. You can just see the little kid like, 
Sir. Hi, Sir. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's going to be it. I'm going to be Sir. You're going to see. You're going to see. Ten years from now, that little kid's going to run around, Sir. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Abraham and Sarah. Lord. Lord. She calls him Lord. There's this idea that's 3,000, 4,000 years old from a time of patriarchy that is so completely, completely abandoned by our current generation because of the abuses maybe over the last 4,000 years. I don't know. And yet, it's a biblical model for relationship. You say, what kind of relationship? Well, first of all, relationship with the Lord. Abraham and Sarah have a calling from God. God calls Abraham. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with that in a world where everybody has value? In a Christian world where everybody has value, men and women alike, husbands and wives alike. Where do we find the place of peace with God? Whose calling gets followed and whose doesn't? Is that troubling to you? It certainly is for us. We, 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 we struggle with that. We try to find out. You know, Tammy and I, for many years, we've been walking together. and we, It's a struggle for us. How do we hear the voice of the Lord and know where to go and what to do? Who has the final say? Well, there's an ancient way, and the Bible teaches that ancient way. And we're either going to revise that ancient way and make it current to work in our new generation. That may mean changing some of the things. Or we're going to have to allow the Scripture to point the way that's always been the way and adjust our expectations that the generation has been forcing upon us and say, I want to return to the ancient path. But with that comes the giving up of something. There's always the giving up of something. When we follow the ancient path, it means by by default that we're not following the modern new path. Do we even want to follow the ancient path? As believers, we need to we need to be able to answer that question. I came out of out of the Camino, we hadn't seen any entertainment TV or anything for, for, for six or seven weeks. We went to a movie in London, and the movie that they were advertising before the movie was Gay Summer. And it was all about how the, uh, how the, the, the straight people are stupid. And, uh, and the best thing to, do, to, to be is, is gay. That's obviously the way to go. After six or seven weeks of not seeing anything like that, not even hearing anything like that on the Camino, suddenly we were confronted with this again. The very first entertainment. And it's a, it's a new way. It's the new way. It's a new way of a generation all around us, not just here in America, but it's all around the world. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's so dramatically in your face and we as Christians have an issue. We, we have to make a decision. But if you're going to say something about that, you're going to have to be willing to pay the cost. Do you want to know which way to go? Do you want to know where the house of the Lord is? Because there's one way. There are lots of ways that do not lead there, and there's one way that does. And we need to find out what that way is even if it means that we become politically un incorrect and as a result, pay the price. Our brothers and sisters who went before us in many generations past paid with their own blood. They lost lands and families, houses, businesses. They were exiled from their countries. They were sent far, far away because nobody wanted them around. They had to start new, fresh somewhere else under 
sometimes slavery, because they refused to bow their knee to what was culturally expected if it contradicted the ancient way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who wants to go to the Father, there's no other way to him but through me. And so we have to begin to address these issues. We have to begin to talk about them as a fellowship. We have to ask ourselves, do we really want to follow? Not so that we can be argumentative or we can get in people's faces or we can tell them how they must walk. Everybody must walk their own Camino. But as for me and my house, I will follow the ancient path because it leads to life. Narrow is the road that leads to life and few there are that walk it. Matthew 7 verse 14. I want to walk the narrow way. Do you want to walk the narrow way? Over the next months here at Living Hope Family Church, those of you who are listening online, get yourselves ready. We're going to go down that road. We're going to talk about difficult things. We're going to ask questions, not in a way that makes anybody ashamed or embarrassed, not in a way that puts us cloistered in our own little group with our swords drawn and our spears sharpened. No. We're going to become those with basin and towel. We're going to wash the feet of the people around us. We're going to look for ways to be the kindness and the, and the love of God extended by his hands and feet. But we will not deviate from the ancient way. Amen? Thank you for the extra time to give you the teaser. The sermon ended actually 10 minutes ago, officially. So those of you who are timing me, yeah. Would you like to pray? Before we pray, questions, comments, feel free to send them to me, pastor at livinghopefamilychurch.com. This format that we have right here doesn't allow much of feedback, questions, and answer times, but I want you to know that you are welcome to ask questions, to even differ in your opinion, to come and seek me out and let me talk. Let the, if you have issues and you're concerned, talk to the elders. Let us gather together. We'll pray. We'll find answers for you. We'll seek the Lord to find those for you. We want to be a place where you can genuinely learn and grow without feeling ashamed or embarrassed. You understand? Pastor at livinghopefamilychurch.com. Those of you who are watching online, feel free to write to me there. Okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have not left us without a hope, without direction. You've given us your word, the everlasting word of the Lord. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the words of the Lord will never pass away. You've given us your word and we want to read and learn and understand and hear deeply in our hearts and follow you. You called Abraham out of his world and you're still calling your believers, your saints out of the world. Help us to see that the home where you live is far better than anything this world has to offer. Let us set our affections and our, 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 our destination in your presence. Papa, bless this fellowship. Guide us by your Holy Spirit. Prevent us from heading off into error. Keep our feet on the straight and narrow. Guide us the steps of the righteous ordered by the Lord for you love us and we love you. Bless these who've listened. Bless these who go in faith and step into their world outside of these walls. 
ambassadors for you carrying the fragrance of God. May they walk in grace, in kindness, in love, in gentleness, but with a firm resolution to stay the course. In Jesus' name.